Today, I want to talk about New Year's resolutions or goals versus intentions. I've struggled with the difference of these for quite a while, and they're all really powerful tools that we can use to achieve a desired outcome, yet they feel different to me. So let's talk about it and see what you think. Hi, I'm Brenda Reese, freedom and forgiveness coach and a person just like you that is learning to navigate life and all of its challenges. I teach a forgiveness process like no other. It's a blend of practical and spiritual forgiveness. This process guides you into knowing how unforgiveness can be keeping you stuck in your relationships, both personally and professionally, and how it prevents you from releasing resentment and finding joy. Each week, I share practical and some not-so-practical tips, tools, and advice from myself and other people that are on this journey just like us. This is for you if you are ready to turn your pain into peace. Welcome to the Forgive Yourself Podcast. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Forgive Yourself Podcast. I am your host, Brenda Reese, and I really want to say thank you to all of you that are listening and for those that are leaving a review. I am so grateful. It is helping others to find this podcast a little bit easier. Now, I was talking with a few people about New Year's resolutions or goals, right? We call them both, or or whether they're actually intentions. Now, for me, resolutions or goals can have a more negative connotation to them. It feels like we can judge ourselves as being a bad person if we have failed to accomplish whatever that goal was that we wanted to attain. Yet, intentions feel more heartfelt and not so harsh, while you know, still getting that outcome that I desire. Studies show that the top three areas that most people are making resolutions around are exercise, eating habits, and weight loss. Can any of you relate to those? So if we eat that cake, or we drink too much at a party, or we do miss a workout, or the scale doesn't budge, are we a bad person? No, we aren't a bad person. Yet it can feel that way around the resolutions or goals. People have shared with me that they feel that shame, right? Being a bad person when they have so-called failed at their resolutions. Now that's heavy duty to carry and is not very motivating. Intentions for me feel more heart-centered. It can feel a bit more nurturing to achieve the goal that I would like to achieve. Intentions do feel like they connect my heart and mind, which gives me more potential to gain more positivity out of this experience. This is because for me, intentions are more about the why and not the how. They can be more honoring of who we are and where we are at in our lives. So let's talk about this for a minute. For most of my life, I tried to be a resolution-setting person, because that's what most of us did. Yet it didn't seem to work for me, and I finally figured out that it was because of the heavy feeling of failure 
that came when I didn't achieve these resolutions the way I thought I should. Okay, imagine that word in quotes, right? Should. You've heard that saying, stop shoulding on yourself, right? Well, I had not learned it at that time. What wasn't resonating with me about resolutions was that they were for achieving an end goal. I was told to think of what I wanted, right? Okay. And then you set some very specific and outline goals, and then you do those little action steps towards it, and voila, it's achieved, and I'll be happy. Now, I did a talk about resolutions a while ago, and in my research for that talk, I found that 80% of people who make resolutions or goals for the new year end up dropping them within the first two weeks. Did you know that there is a day in January called Quitter's Day? I know, doesn't sound very appealing, does it? Let me tell you about it. There was extensive research done by a network for athletes called Strava back in 2019. They found that approximately 80% of people who made New Year's resolutions give up on them by the second week of January. This was found by going through 800 million pieces of data. That's a lot. (laughs) So Strava predicted that the second Friday of January was that fateful day when the motivations waned and therefore dubbed the day Quitter's Day. Now, I do want to say that other research has shown that about two-thirds of people will abandon their New Year's resolutions within a month of the new year. Okay, either way, whether it's two weeks or a month, it feels like we are doomed, doesn't it? Okay, now one of the reasons for abandoning our resolutions, research shows, is we get overly ambitious with what we think we can accomplish. We always start with high motivation, but then our brains take over and it's a bit easier to hit that snooze or say it's only two cookies, I'll work out more tomorrow. And then another reason comes up and another and another, and we say tomorrow, 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 and then why try at all? Raise your hand. If you have set your ambitions too high and then hit the snooze or gave yourself a really good justification for not following through. Okay, I'm raising both of my hands. (laughs) I want to give a shout out here to Melina Palmer, who is a fabulous expert on behavioral economics. She has some podcast episodes that really helped me to understand why my brain does this, right? So check out the Brainy Business podcast. We'll link it in the show notes. Her foundational episodes are so good for understanding our brains, and she's got a couple books out now too. And so check those out. Now let's go back to Strava for a second. Strava did say that labeling this day Quitter's Day is not to humiliate those of us that quit, yet to give us motivation and inspire us to eventually achieve what we do want to accomplish. So for some, knowing that a certain day is called Quitter's Day may motivate you to not quit and work past it. Yet I'm thinking about that other research that shows two-thirds of us quit within a month. (sighs) I don't think that's going to help a lot of us, you know? And just to let you know, in 2023, Quitter's Day is, drumroll please, today, Friday, January 13th. 
So let's talk about three of the things that studies show propel us to abandon our New Year's resolutions, and then some things we can do about it so we don't choose to quit today, or even by the end of the month. Unless you really want to quit, because sometimes quitting is definitely okay, right? When we know it's not right for us, quitting can be a good thing and starting something new. So let's talk about three of the things that studies show, right? Three of the things that studies show propel us to abandon our New Year's resolutions. Number one, perfectionism. This brings in the shame that I mentioned earlier. We can stop ourselves before even getting started because we feel it has to be perfect. Where does that come from? Well, perfectionism can be from a fear of judgment or disapproval from others. Early childhood experiences where caregivers had an unrealistically high expectation of you can be a reason. Another reason is childhood trauma, where people feel like they have to work hard to prove themselves, especially where caregivers withheld love or affection, and we learn to be perfect to gain their love. That was part of my story. Perfectionism paralyzed me, and I didn't realize what was happening until I started my own business and sought out therapy. In fact, it was starting the business that had me realize how paralyzed I got over perfectionism. So what can you do about that? There is a difference between demanding perfection and striving for excellence. Okay, psychologists share that there is a term called adaptive or positive perfectionists who set lofty goals, have high standards, or are achievement-oriented, and they work hard for success. And then there's the maladaptive perfectionists that are failure-oriented, which can end up being a weakness. Now, the adaptive perfectionists desire growth, enjoy being challenged and problem-solve well. Where the maladapted perfectionists can't even do that because they're going to fail. We can overcome perfectionism by letting go of the comparison mindset. Oh, Lordy, did I have that? And I still do sometimes. We can have high standards without beholding ourselves to someone else's perfect ideal or one we made up ourselves. And we can also learn to love ourselves through self-forgiveness and self-acceptance and not base it on proving ourselves to someone else, okay? We can also do this not only through the forgiveness process, but another couple steps are mindfulness. It's a great way to help us with creating the compassionate self-talk. I teach my clients how to challenge their negative self-judgments and self-talk, which is a game changer. And we also practice releasing something out in the world without it being perfect. Oh my God, was that hard for me? Yet I feel liberated. So start with something small. I sent out a blog that, that didn't sound exactly right. And my podcast, I finally, I was frozen in fear to even launch this podcast. And it took two years, well, also because of life stuff. But I really worked through that feeling of rejection and that fear of failing. And so I had to just launch it. And I did. 
and it wasn't perfect. And yet some people are telling me that they are really grateful I did that. And so that is helping me work through it. Number two, fear of failure. Mm, See, I just talked about that. We do have a wrong perception of what failure is these days. Most people fear it, so they don't even try. People become paralyzed with fear of failure, and they end up not even seeing their dreams come true. That almost, I almost didn't do that here, you know, with the podcast. Fear of failure may have developed in childhood, where embarrassment or bullying or trauma was experienced due to failing at something. If you are suffering from this and it is interrupting your life, please seek out care from a doctor and or therapist that is trained in guiding you through it because there is a difference between being able to work through the paralyzed feeling and really feeling frozen. For a lot of people, reframing failure and shifting our perception around it can give us a much better chance of moving forward versus staying paralyzed. To reframe it, Give it a different word or definition and then experiences to feel the difference in your body. So an example would be redefining failure. You could say, oh, okay, that didn't work, but now I'm one step closer to success. Or you could say, you know, like some people do, well, thank goodness for another effing growth opportunity. (laughs) I mean, I do say that because sometimes growth opportunities don't feel very good. Now, the biggest thing for my clients is being able to reframe it so that it doesn't make them a bad person, which is shame. Failing at something doesn't have to be taken personally. It doesn't say anything about you. The problem with it would not be getting back up and trying again. And that's where a doctor or therapist can be helpful if we can't get back up and try again. Okay? Because remember, we can look at it as, hmm. You know, that didn't work. So now I know which direction not to go. (laughs) I use that in Seattle when I used to get lost in Seattle and then I'd get lost again. And it's like, oh, I've been lost here before. And now I know which direction I can go. And then pretty soon I didn't go lost there. So we can also do these things. We can adopt a beginner's mind. Remind yourself that we didn't know how to walk when we were learning. Watch a toddler right? They fall and they get back up. They do not judge themselves for failing. Failure is something we learn. We're not born with it. Keep in mind that quote from Thomas Edison, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And we're going to hope that we don't have to go through it 10,000 times, okay? (laughs) And then there's excuses. Do you hear yourself saying, I'm not ready? or it's not the right time, or others know more than me, that was me. How about I'm not good enough, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not as good as so-and-so, that was me too, or I may do it wrong, that was me also. Some of these come from the perfectionism and fear of failure, like I may do it wrong, or I'm not as good as so-and-so, or I'm not even good enough. A good way to change these excuses is to catch the thought. It's only then that we can stop and reflect on it. These can be so ingrained that we don't even know we are sabotaging ourselves with them. Our brains can be tricky because we do and say things on autopilot. 
You can ask for help from a partner or kids or friend and ask them if you say anything over and over again. Have they heard you say things like that? Well, I can't do that because of. Okay. It's really helpful to get their reflection because remember, it is very ingrained. Now, when we become aware of the statements, you can reflect on them. Ask these questions. When do you remember starting to say them? Does anything come to mind? Journal about that statement. What ideas or thoughts come up around them? Who do you remember saying that statement? Did you pick it up from someone in your family? Right? Where did it come from? And then you can start to catch yourself when you say them and reframe these two. If you catch yourself saying, I'm not good enough, where did that come from? Did someone tell you that? Or did you infer it because of comparison in your family dynamic? Don't beat yourself up. This is just excavating and finding out more about you. And there are ways that we can overcome this. We can work through these. We can. And we can do it together. It's so amazingly helpful to reflect on these statements that that we've given so much power to. And we can ask if they are still working for us. Or is it time for them to be eliminated? So we've talked about three things that can have us abandoning our New Year's resolutions or goals, if you set them, and ways for you to practice working through them. Yet I started this episode with me learning about calling them intentions versus goals or resolutions. So I want to share a bit more about that with you. When I was introduced to the idea of setting intentions, that immediately felt so much better to me because in setting an intention, The foundation of that intention is the feeling or the why behind what I am wanting to achieve or accomplish. It's the why of taking those action steps that can lead to a bigger meaning behind our intentions, which is around our purpose and our overall happiness. Intentions are less about tasks and the to-dos and more about the feeling you want from taking any action or living that experience. It is more heartfelt to me than intellect, even though the brain has a place in following through with these intentions. So it's bigger than losing 10 or 20 or 30 pounds or making X amount of money or eating right, and more about how I or you want to show up for yourself and for the world. So remember, Intentions are about the willingness to be open and vulnerable with yourself. So that means thinking less about crossing off tasks or to-dos and leaning more into how you want your life to feel and the why behind that. When we can get to that why underneath, that can give us the joy and excitement to keep us going and the roots to maintain it. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Forgive Yourself podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website at brindareissescoaching.com for more show notes and additional episodes. And would you do me a favor 
and subscribe to this podcast and please consider rating and reviewing the show. That will help other people find us. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Forgive Yourself podcast. Take care. Thank you.